This is the reality. Hello to you. Welcome indeed to The Reality. I'm Dudley Anderson and it's really good to be with you for the next half hour as we share the story of a life touched and changed for the good, for good, by the reality of coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. If you'd like to know more, please drop me an email at dudley at surereality.net or visit the website surereality.net. Gavin Culver is the CEO of the Evangelical Alliance in Great Britain. He has a burning passion to see the Church of Jesus Christ working together to share the gospel throughout the UK and beyond. Formerly the leader of Youth for Christ and Chair of Spring Harvest, he's an ordained evangelist and a regular public speaker. He's also authored several books. Gavin Culver found the gospel of Christ to be the very meaning of life. Following Jesus is not a half-hearted endeavor. Because I never understood faith as a nominal decision. It's not like horse riding on a Tuesday, go to church on a Sunday. You know, it was actually, this is everything. This is the meaning of my life. My whole existence will be driven by the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus. That was a big decision. Sometimes Jesus doesn't just call us to, to come and live. He calls us to come and die to everything else to follow him. It's a hard call. And maybe sometimes we haven't made the call hard enough. So it's wonderful to speak to Gavin Calvert today from the Evangelical Alliance in the UK. Thank you so much, Gavin, for joining us on The Reality. Great to be here. Fantastic. Well, we're going to be talking about the Evangelical Alliance based in the United Kingdom in just a minute. But as always, Gavin, you know, I always ask this question of my guests as we get going. How did you find the reality of Jesus for yourself? How did you find Christ as Lord and Savior? That's a great question. I grew up in what you might call the Christian Mafia. (laughs) I'm uh, the seventh generation called Reverend, not Mr. in my family. Um, But I was never interested as a young person, really. I'm one of four kids. The other three, it felt like, didn't sin, didn't do anything wrong, and went along with it all. Um, I, in contrast, uh, knew Jesus was real because I'd seen things he'd done, but kind of thought of him like an auntie figure, someone that you knew existed but didn't want to hang out with. Mm. Um, And growing up in the church, I threw myself into football, not church, really. And at 14, I was banned from church for six months, which at the time I was delighted because it meant even my mum couldn't make me go. (laughs) And so at that point, I threw myself into other things, uh, really did try to become a footballer, didn't get that close, but didn't get that far either. Uh And when I was 17, my mum and dad moved to the other side of the world, to America, to run the American tier fund equivalent in order to follow the call of God there. And I said to them when they were going, if you go, then a loving God splits our family up. He can stuff himself. I'm not interested forever. And nine months after they emigrated, it was the day after my 18th birthday party. We don't need to get into the details of that evening. And the next day I woke up realizing that the other things I tried were empty and fruitless. Hmm. But Jesus was real. So I sat on a park bench on my own in South London in Mayo Park in Forest Hill. And I surrendered my life to Jesus. And then I said I would do whatever, go wherever and whenever for him, which was a dangerous prayer. Yeah. But for me, there was no one there. There was no music. There was no one inviting me. It was just (laughs) a case of I'm an all or nothing person. Yeah. And I realized at that point it was time to throw all my eggs in one basket for this Jesus that I knew was real and was the meaning behind the universe as opposed to the other things I've been chasing after. Wow. So how did that actually happen? You know, you said you were in London, I assume on your own in the park, um, and uh, you've had this this, uh, antagonism towards the church and anything Christian. What 
what triggered? What changed? What made you just suddenly discover, hey, this is real and, and he loves me? Yeah, I knew it was real because of what I'd seen before. It was just always going to be, am I ready to go all in or not? Uh, I've never understood half-hearted Christianity. It doesn't really make sense because you seem to miss out on everything on all sides. Hmm. And so it was a case of, where, where, am I ready to go all in? And if I was honest, the night of my 18th birthday party, I, I drank far too much. Um, a friend of mine had to clear some sick from me during the night a couple of times. And it, it, it was a moment where mm. I'd gone a bit too close to the line. Mm. And I realized, actually, there's more to life than this. This isn't it. This is empty. And so genuinely, I, I was never a baby Christian because I'd grown up around Christian leaders. Mm. I knew all the stories and all the stuff. Mm. It was just a case of when am I in? Mm. And that that night frightened me but also pointed me to jesus mm. and so i genuinely i sat on a bench on my own and i cried out to the jesus i've been told of all my life mm. and mm. surrendered my life to him and from that moment on not doubted and i've not looked back wow. but it was quite a moment you know gavin all the people that i interview for my show and i always ask the same question and there's some, something that really just it just god impresses upon me every time and it's the same with your story is that the scripture says he watches god watches over his word to perform it now god's word is in your heart you grew up you heard all the stories you knew the message of christ though you rejected it the holy spirit was still at work would you say in your life oh, yeah definitely and and i did some pretty stupid things as a young person but never got into as much trouble as i could have done mm. you know and things could have turned out very differently you know i believe that uh there the Lord was was present. I just was rejecting him, and that is a great regret of mine. But in the 20 or so years since, I've done my best to make up the lost time. Mm. And actually, um, there's two types of Christians often. There's those that are nurtured into faith, and there's those that are salvaged into faith quite often. Mm. And mm. my siblings were all nurtured, whereas I was salvaged. I knew what it was to not be with Jesus. Mm. And as an evangelist in the years since, that sometimes motivated me to preach the gospel in a way that others wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I know what it is to not have Jesus. I know what I'm saved from. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I, I would do things differently if I could go back, but the Lord's redeemed even some of those bad experiences in helping others. And in also giving me a driving passion to share the gospel. Amen. So how did your parents respond after you came back and said, Hey mom, dad, you know, I've done it. I've given my life to Jesus. Well, well, obviously, they lived in America. That, ah. was, cause that was such a big part yeah. of the story at that point. So uh, that was tricky. They were the hardest people to tell, if I'm honest. Because ah. even when it's the meaning behind the cosmos and the most significant thing in the universe, you don't want your parents to be right and you to be wrong. <laughs> um, and so I didn't know quite how to tell them either, so I wrote to them. Ah. Um, and uh, that letter was received with many tears i think I of joy bet, I they, bet. they also told me at the time that there were 10 people they'd asked when i got banned from church 10 people they'd asked to pray for me every day to come back to faith wow. i'd have been furious at the time if i'd known well, yeah. but when i found out <laughs> after coming to faith i was delighted Amen. so i got to do something we don't really do anymore i got to handwrite letters to these people thanking them for their prayers and i got returns from them with smudges where they'd been crying too you wow. see here's the thing if there's one thing we want to do for young people that aren't yet following jesus pray for them every day take our prayers seriously we overestimate our activities we underestimate our prayers and we should be praying for people by name petitioning the heavenlies for breakthrough in their lives i will never stop being grateful to those people that were praying Fantastic. and i will also never stop praying for others to meet jesus Amen. gavin you are uh, you're the head of the evangelical alliance but i believe that you are uh, you're an evangelist at heart you've got the gospel in your heart 
Uh, how important is it to pray for for our non-believing friends and family? Do you believe in what I would call evangelistic or evangelism prayer? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I am one of those people desperately in danger of overestimating all my activities and underestimating the power of my prayers. And we've all got to get serious about praying for people to come to Jesus. Everyone should have a prayer list of people they're wanting to meet Jesus. Amen. I'm inspired by D.L. Moody, you know, the American preacher, who wrote down a list of everyone he was going to pray for every day that he wanted to meet Jesus. When he got to 100 names, he decided he had enough to be getting on with. And he petitioned the heavenlies for those 100 people. By the time Moody died, 96 had come to faith. And at his funeral, the last four did. Now, I'm not saying we'll all see those same results, but I find that quite inspiring. And it's not just a tick list. It's really petitioning heaven because... We say we're desperate for people to meet Jesus, but do our prayers and our actions reflect that? That's yeah. a challenge to all of us. I think. Yeah, yeah. Something else that just occurred to me as I listened to your story is that uh, the church is probably filled with people like yourself, teenagers, young people, who've heard the gospel so many times, but it's not really rung, you know, rung that, that chord in their heart. They never actually made a decision for Jesus. In your experience working with churches as you do, do you find that the church is filled with, let's call them nominal people who've not made a decision for Christ? Um, I, I think there's nominal people in every area of life. You know, people with a variety of, of buy-in or not. Um, before I worked for the EA, I worked for Youth for Christ for 14 years, ending in leading it at the end. And my experience over those years was that um, we need to give more opportunities for people to decide to follow Jesus. Mm. Of all age groups, back in the 80s, one or two decisions and you'd stick at it for life. Now you need to make six or seven decisions sometimes to stick at something for life, whatever that thing is. Hmm. apart from your football team no one sticks with anything for life anymore (laughs) we're living in an instant culture and therefore i think the challenge instead of questioning the nominalism i would say we need to raise the bar on how often we give people an opportunity to make a decision for jesus yeah because we're inundated with information aren't we yeah yeah and i think we also though um i remember reading a whole thesis on youth ministry and the basic uh, sort of outcome of it was this We're not losing our younger people because we haven't entertained them enough. We're Mm. losing them because we haven't challenged them enough. Mm. Mm. And I think what we need to do with all generations, actually, is talk about a Jesus who's who's not just worth having as a hobby, but it's worth dying for. It's worth giving your life for. It's worth putting everything on the table for. That was why it was such a hard choice for me to come to faith. Because I never understood faith as a nominal decision. It's not like horse riding on a Tuesday, go to church on a Sunday. Mm. You know, it was actually, this is everything. This is the meaning of my life. My whole existence will be driven by the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus. That was a big decision. And I think sometimes we've fallen for what Bonhoeffer warned about many years ago, which was cheap grace, which was making the gospel what people want to hear. So they'll say yes. When actually, sometimes Jesus doesn't just call us to to come and live he calls us to come and die to everything else in order to follow him and that's a hard call and maybe sometimes we haven't made the call hard enough yeah and especially in the 21st century we you know coming back to information uh, overdrive we have so many options uh, at our disposal the internet you know social media uh, all the lifestyle choices that were um, they were thrust down our throats every minute of the day from advertising to um, you know politics um, you know we have so much at our disposal so as as an evangelist how do i present the gospel as something different something unique something desirable well because the gospel is completely counter to most of the messages of our culture our culture is a me first 
me happy mm. if anything's gone wrong it, then you've got to blame someone else because i've been harmed and ill affected and am i doing okay and am i happy am i getting what i'm entitled to it's very me focused mm. it really is That's but the right. gospel is a message of quite the opposite if Jesus had done what he wanted to, he would have done what he pleaded to do three times in Gethsemane when he asked for the cup mm. to be removed from him. Mm. But the gospel is the ultimate story of sacrificing what, what an individual might want in order to make a difference for the whole of humanity. Mm. Mm. For me, that is so countercultural. We have a really great opportunity to share it. I think the other thing is, I, I don't really think we're in a post-Christian country. People talk about that a lot. I think we're almost in a pre-Christian country again now, especially if you're younger than me. I'm 41. If you're younger than me, you've not, you're, you're not likely to have gone through a lot of church and Christianity and rejected it, having thought about it. You're probably more likely to never have heard about it. Mm, true. And so we're living in a day where the culture doesn't, is not tired of the gospel. It's never heard it. Mm. And so therefore you have an opportunity for more of an early church, Acts-type church movement that might be more costly, might be more difficult, but might just about bring about some movement in the UK that we've only ever dreamt or read about. Fantastic, indeed. Well, Gavin, we've been t- chatting for a while. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I want to ask you about a book that you wrote. In fact, you just mentioned The Acts. I want to ask you about a book you've written, Unleashed, The Acts Church Today. You're listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We depend on the generous gifts of our listener to produce this program. You can help reach millions of folks with the sure reality of the message of Jesus by becoming a sure reality vision partner. To partner with us, please visit the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. Hello to you. Welcome indeed. If you've just joined us, this is The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking to somebody whose life has been touched and changed for the good, for good by the reality of Jesus Christ. You can listen again to this radio program on our podcast at surereality.net. Just page down on the front page. If you're listening up and you have some questions, I would love to receive those from you by email. Drop me an email at dudley at surereality.net. Again, if you'd like some prayer or would like to make contact with me, email me dudley at surereality.net. Today on The Reality, we're speaking with the UK Evangelical Alliance CEO, Gavin Calver. Gavin has shared about how he came to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour at an early age. But, unfortunately, in his early teens, he turned his back on Christ. His parents were missionaries and church workers, but Gavin wanted nothing more to do with church. So he indulged in the high life until he reached the age of 18, when after a particularly intense night out, he found himself pondering life on a park bench in central London. Under the nudge of God's Holy Spirit, the Word of God came alive to him, and this young man finally realized the real meaning in life was not sex, alcohol, and wild living, but a complete surrender to the King of creation. Gavin acknowledged Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior on a park bench at the age of 18. He realized that to experience the true meaning in life was not a half-hearted endeavor, but to believe in Jesus with every ounce of his being. Gavin Calver began sharing the gospel wherever he went and eventually worked for Youth for Christ for 14 years. Living in Britain, he points out that the modern Western culture is flooded with options and choices that drive our egos. But, says Gavin, Jesus hasn't called us to just live. 
He's called us to die to everything else in order to live for him. Gavin is author of several books, including one called Unleashed, the Acts Church Today. As we rejoin Gavin Calver for today's The Reality, I asked him to comment on this book and describe how we as 21st century Christians can live by the same ethos and standards as the early church did. Yeah, my wife Anne and I wrote it together and it came out six weeks before the first lockdown as coronavirus really kicked in. So we had written it six months before that as well. And it was accidentally prophetic, to be honest, (laughs) because it it talked about your street being your parish and your garden fence being your pulpit (laughs) and all people needing to be released into ministering to others and reaching those on their doorstep and not just it being done by those who are qualified or so-called professionals. And it talks as well about how we need to minister in words, works and wonders like the Mm. early church talks as well about what it means to share possessions, what it means to do real community. You know, we've got two other pandemics in the UK as well, loneliness and mental health crisis, Mm -hmm. both of which can be, can be helped no end with community. And so doing church differently and not just on a Sunday for an hour and a half, but actually consistently through the week and shared life and shared journey and you know in some ways as well a lot of the examples we drew on were from the east because i think the east of the world is starting to teach the west really Hmm. um you look at the church in china and iran and places and there's so many simple lessons to learn and all they're doing is replicating early church and uh, i think the challenge as well that came through as we were writing it is do we want Uh, sort of Iranian or Chinese results as in revival, but with Western comfort, Mm -hmm. because those two things don't really seem to go together. (laughs) Mm, Very good, very true. And, uh, you know, I think of the, the early Acts Church, I think of the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And, mm. and they, uh, you know, they, they were, as in your words earlier today in our discussion, they were sold out. They were sold for Christ. They were given over to Jesus. In fact, Jesus used a, a parable and an example talking about that once. He said, um, the kingdom of heaven is like uh, the merchant who is seeking for a, a valuable pearl. And when he finds the most valuable pearl he's ever seen in his entire life, he goes home and sells everything. He's sold out for that poll. That's how the early church was, wasn't it? Oh, very much, very much so. But it is the move of the Holy Spirit. It was the fact that they felt, firstly, they lived in the light of a returning king. Mm. I think sometimes we forget that. Mm. You know, the early church thought some of them would see Jesus return. So they lived as if. Now, we need to live in that same way, regardless of, I'm not being an end-time prophet in any way here, but regardless of when he comes back, we need to live in the light of that. But also the empowering of the Spirit to do things that were incredible and the releasing of people from prisons and you know how many of us might be in danger of our own road a moment when we don't realize the very thing we're <laughs> praying for is knocking on the front door <laughs> or yeah. or, the, or as an evangelist you know i've been asked so many times what's more important words or works uh-huh. i've never been asked what's more important words or wonders uh-huh. the early church didn't make the separations yeah. and so operating in the fullness of what's available to us whilst also being prepared to be dangerous in offering all that we are. I love the story of Stephen. You know, I'll keep going on about Acts, but I'll, do, I'll leave it this. I love the story of Stephen where he's being stoned to death, and I hope that never happens to me. Oh. But I would rather be stoned to death by the people of the world with my Jesus standing, looking at me, showing me he's proud of me, wow. than I would being celebrated by my world and my Jesus not believing that what I was doing was the right thing. Wow, wow, profound profound 
Well, Gavin, let's uh, touch on the Evangelical Alliance now. Mm. You know, we were talking about the church as it is in the world. Evangelical Alliance is interdenominational. It's lots of different denominations, I believe, mm. involved in the organization. Mm. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, the EA is 175 years old, and it exists now for the same thing it existed when it was founded. It exists to unite the evangelicals in the United Kingdom to make Jesus known. You know, we want to unite the church in its mission and give it a clear and effective voice into every layer of society. Mm-hmm. It's a really exciting collective. It's made up of over 3,000 churches, 600 organizations, and tens of thousands of individuals who say, let's come together. Mm-hmm. During this pandemic, we've had a stronger voice into the corridors of power than we can remember at any other time. We're hoping that continues post-pandemic. We're also excited about the opportunity to unite the church to believe we can reach the nation. But evangelicals are fundamentally good news people. We're people of the gospel. Mm. And so we're about seeing people be, be reached with the gospel and come to know Jesus for themselves. So the EA speaks up on the hard issues as well. That's really quite difficult at times. No two ways about that. But we're prepared to do that because it's important. But we do that because we want to see people in the United Kingdom come to Jesus. Mm, mm. So it's a really exciting role. It's a really challenging role. We stand firmly on God's word. We believe the death and resurrection of Jesus, most important thing in human history. We believe in conversion and want to see everyone be given the opportunity to meet Jesus. And we want to be active in the United Kingdom, making it more like the kingdom. Amen. Wonderful. Now, it is um, it is targeted and based in the United Kingdom. Do you have a relationship with, with other organizations like yourself in other countries? Oh, yeah. Um, there's evangelical alliances in over 150 nations of the world. Um, and there's a World EA and a European Evangelical Alliance. So there's almost certainly one, wherever you're listening to this, there's almost certainly one in your nation or your neighboring nation. Um, the, the, each one's autonomous. Uh, we do all we can to help one another. But uh, we've also got unique challenges in our own context. So, you know, the EA is all over the place. Uh, but my focus is very much on the United Kingdom. Though, let's be honest, the makeup of the United Kingdom and particularly London. London is arguably the most international city in the world. Mm. You can have an impact on the nations from here. Uh-huh. And then we're delighted that within the nations, there are indigenous EAs all over the place. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. So just uh, quickly, um, it's uh, when I think of the EA, I think of a group of churches that are linked together. But you just mentioned uh, organizations and individuals. Can an individual join the EA? They definitely can. And do you know what? This is the most important type of membership we need at the moment because there's a growing skepticism towards institutions in the corridors of power. So the individual pieces become really important. So if anyone wants to, it's only £3 a month for an individual or a couple, eauk.org forward slash join us. And if you do, do you know, you'd be amazing because you'd be uniting with so many others, but you'd also be giving us your voice as we go into the corridors of power, as we meet with government and others, and we speak on behalf of the church, we'll be taking your voice in there with us. And that means no end to us, but also to you. It gives you access to places you wouldn't have. And for us, it makes the voice louder. And you know what? If you if you do sign up, I'll send you a copy of Unleashed for free. Wow. How about that? Okay, so here's that address again. Website address, eauk.org. If you're listening in the United Kingdom, it's for you. Outside the United Kingdom, go and have a look and see what they're all about and uh, indeed make contact with them. Well, Gavin, we've been talking a lot about the EA and uh, its organization, but I want to ask you, how important is it for, let's say, churches, church groups and leaders of churches to build relationship with one another? Oh, it's hugely important. You know, Jesus prayed for it in his famous prayer in John 17. 
you know, that there'd be a unity of the church that the, the world might know that, you know, that, that he is king. It is, we do it to honor the Lord. It's simply the, the, the number one thing we're called to, other than reaching the world, is to be united together. And what I'd say to people as well is the church is bigger than any of us. People ask me often, why is the church dying? The church has never grown so fast in all its history as it's growing right now. Hmm. The fact that that's in other parts of the world doesn't matter. We're one family. And so we've got to stand as one family. I'm so excited. There are so many strong movements, but no one of us will reach the whole of the nation. Therefore, we come together and we celebrate one another. You know what I learned so much? I, I will preach in four different churches in a month, and each of them are completely different to the other. And maybe none of them are what I would choose as my home church. But mm -hmm. in every one, I can celebrate what God's doing. I can see the passion of the people, the commitment to the Word of God, the desire to reach their community. And we can celebrate the beauty of the church as this wonderful montage of, of, of every race, every tribe, every tongue coming together to say we worship Jesus as one and we reach the nation as one. And we do that to glorify him and because it's his mandate upon us. Amen. Gavin, what is your passion? You're in a church and you've got a, a blank slate. You can preach your heart out. What is the passion of your heart? <laughs> I, I think I've got two things, really. I am desperate for the church to be more distinct in the nation. So I think we need to rediscover the kind of holiness needed and the kind of disciplines needed and be different to those around us. We must not be magnolia wallpaper on the agenda of the nation. <laughs> so I'm desperate for us to be distinct. Come on. And then I'm desperate for us to go and to go onto our front lines, to be the church 24-7, to share hope with others, to love the least, the last and the lost, and to see a mighty move of God. I believe in my lifetime we're going to see a move of God that is going to transform the United Kingdom inside out, upside down, and back to front. And the only other option I have is I will die believing it was coming tomorrow. But I want to be a person of hope that is part of a movement that is distinct from its culture because it follows Jesus, not the, not the sort of culture of the day, but secondly goes out into that culture offering hope to all and seeing many come to know Jesus. Fantastic. Well, that's tremendous. Thank you so much, Gavin Culver, for joining us today on The Reality. We pray God's richest blessing upon you and your own life and work and ministry and upon the Evangelical Alliance. Thank you for joining us. Well, today on The Reality, we've been speaking with Gavin Culver, CEO of the Evangelical Alliance in Great Britain. If you'd like to know more about the organization, please visit their website, eauk.org. That is eauk.org. Well, indeed, if you've been listening up today and you have some questions, or perhaps you'd like us to pray together, I would love to receive an email from you. We can pray and chat together by email. Email me dudley at surereality.net. Again, dudley at surereality.net. Just listening to Gavin chat today, I was impressed by the fact that he was completely sold out for Jesus. We need to be completely on fire for our Lord and Savior. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, we read these words, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you from my mouth. We want to be sold out for Jesus. I don't want to be cold and I certainly don't want to be lukewarm. There's nothing worse than a lukewarm cup of tea. I want to be hot for Christ. I want to be sold out for him. If you'd like to be sold out for Jesus, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. 
Heavenly Father, I come before you and I'm sorry for the things in my life, Lord, that has caused me to be cold or lukewarm. I want to make a choice today and I want to give my life to you. I want to serve you wholeheartedly. Like Gavin in the story today, I want to serve you with every ounce of my being. Turn my life around that I will be sold out for Christ and on fire for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Again, if you prayed that with me, please write me an email, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by a listener-supported radio ministry, Sure Reality. Consider becoming a vision partner with us at the website surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, as always, keep your eyes on Jesus and walk in the sure reality of Christ. Sure.